Hi there, and welcome to our Hollowed Fruit Podcast. Here we will meet inspirational LGBTQIA persons whose journeys and practices illustrate the flowering and fertile possibilities for all of our souls. I'm Brian Anthos, a spiritual guide for pleasure and peace seekers. You can find out more about me at brianantos.com. Let's take a moment now to pause and find some quiet, and to consider again that we are a part of something larger than ourselves. As we begin, let us be at peace. Welcome to episode four of Our Hollowed Fruit. Today we welcome Jonathan Sands, an equity and inclusion champion from South Florida. Hello world, hello universe, and welcome back to our Hollowed Fruit Podcast. I'm Brian Anthos, and today I feel like a ripe pineapple, just bursting with sweet and yummy juice. (laughs) Because this morning, I'm so excited to welcome Jonathan to the cast. (laughs) And I'm so happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Allow me to briefly introduce this amazing guy, Jonathan Sands. Jonathan is a youth leader and educator, currently supporting young people struggling with science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Jonathan's days consists of a typical office life filled with emails and phone calls, but he says they are brightened with the hilarity that is the mind of a child. And by night, Jonathan is a member of the Gay Men's Chorus of South Florida, where he's also leading the effort to build the organization's first-ever Diversity, Equality, and Inclusion DEI committee. Jonathan is a self-proclaimed gay Latino with extra pounds and a wanderer. Jonathan, thanks for wandering onto our hollowed fruit. Welcome. And thank you for having me. I'm super excited to join y'all in this endeavor. (laughs) So Jonathan, I would love for the world to get to know you a little more, a little more of your story. You are doing amazing work uh, here in the community in in South Florida, uh, both in classrooms and on stages with your voice in so many ways. And I know that there's a great story behind that of how you've arrived to this place and moment in your life. And so I would love for the world to get to know that a little more today. So tell us, how how did this happen? How did Jonathan happen? <laughs> uh, wow. Um, it all started in New York City. I'm originally from New York. Um, grew up uh, in the Bayside area, uh, which is like the border of Queens and Long Island. So I wasn't like a city boy. I was like an urban like a suburban-ish kind of kid. And then we moved to South Florida about 20 years ago, which is crazy to say now. Um, I've spent my whole life working with kids. That's really been my focus and mission. At a very young age, I was just immediately drawn to working with children. And uh, it was a great... It all really started in a church. (laughs) Uh, 
interesting enough, I was a, a very active member of the Catholic Church, and I was working as a member of the youth group. I was teaching uh, religious education. I was involved in the church choir. So that's kind of where this spirit of connecting with the generation younger than me um, kind of began. It's like I was immediately drawn to just talking with them and, and sharing and, you know, being a mentor. It's something that has always resonated with me. And uh, it started in, as a religious experience. I was extremely, extremely religious. Like you are talking about a kid who used to go to church like six to seven times a, a week, whether it was... Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Monday re church rehearsal. Tuesday was some sort of meeting. Wednesday, Thursday, teaching classes. Uh, Friday, we had like a, a adoration in the chapel. And then maybe Saturday was my day of rest from church. And then Sunday I was there all day because I had another choir rehearsal mixed in with actually going to the mass and then youth group after that. So um, I'm very... Catholic <laughs> in my um, in my upbringing, and then all of a sudden I realized I was gay. <laughs> well, well, maybe not realized I was gay. Um, acknowledged and accepted I was gay. That's a better way to say mm. it. Because I've always been. It's like it's something from very very young. We know. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, it was like in high school where I started to have to fight to come to terms because on one side like i'm following this religion i'm very focused in keeping the faith and following the rules because catholics love rules it's just rules and rules and rules and rules and i couldn't really make the two blend together so it was very it was a very strange kind of time where some friends knew I was, and at that time I had come out as bi because I don't know if this happened with you, but uh, it was almost easier to say, yeah, I'm bi versus I'm gay because at least like you're like you have a chance at being quote unquote normal. Um, mm. At least that was how my circle worked. And then normal course, in normal in the eyes of heteronormativity kind of situation. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah. oh well, he at least he likes girls ish. You know, <laughs> when it was like, no, but for my safety, I feel this is safer, which is mm. ironic, I think, because nowadays I feel like being bisexual is now like a bigger no-no than ever before. Like, I feel like there's a lot more stigma with it, but um, not that there's anything wrong with it, but it's just like people's attitude about it nowadays was very different from back then, I think. Um I don't know how that flip happened, but that's what I've seen. Um, so yeah, so it was like, how do I come to terms with all this? And college started and I was still in that struggle. And it was the beginning of my like sexual awakening in where I actually started to partake in activities. And I was like, oh yeah, no, I'm 100% gay. This is a thing. And I was a theater <laughs> major. <laughs> I was a theater major and I was exploring in the art and the craft and trying to figure who I am in this gamut of theater. 
And slowly I stopped going to church because rehearsals were taking place all the time. And it just wasn't home anymore. It wasn't my safe place anymore. It was my place where I was lying to everyone around me and to myself. And I wasn't okay with that. So yeah, it was, it's been a journey of kind of going from this good Catholic boy to now kind of not being part of a church, but being open to a spiritual world still, because I, ha I still have a lot of faith in uh, a higher power. I haven't really identified what that higher power is or how it's manifested, but um, you know, there's a lot of faith in me. Uh, and so it kind of led me to be this wanderer, like this kind of, I'm in a journey. I'm kind of, looking for my niche in life because I just don't quite fit in anywhere. Um, mm. Yeah. It, it's a, you know, cause I'm, especially in the theater world, like gay person. Okay. I fit in for fine as a gay person in the theater world, Latino mm, ish, not really. Um, and as a bigger person, not at all, <laughs> you know, you're immediately trying to, they, they're all about typecasting, right? And they try to put you in a box and right, there was right. a box big enough for me. So it was like, nothing fits, nothing makes sense. So where do I go? And that led to a few years of just random stuff. Like I was working at a retail store as a manager for electronics. And then I went into summer camp experience. I was working at a Jewish summer camp for three years uh, as a program director and uh, creating theater programs and other, a lot of fun stuff and just, you know, buffoonery and shenanigans in the Midwest. And ultimately that led me to cruise ships where I spent five years working on onboard cruise ships yeah. as a youth manager and I got to sail the world. And that's where I found myself ironically, like being mm. out away from home was where I actually found home within me and a sense of self-acceptance, a self of power and confidence and the ability to like come to terms with being told your entire life, this is wrong about you. This is wrong about you. This is wrong about you. This is wrong about you, is wrong about you to shutting those voices out and just being like, this is right for me because this isn't me. And yeah, now cruise ships have taken their pause and now I'm wandering back <laughs> into South Florida, returning home and with a newfound confidence, but also a thirst to kind of establish myself here in this community. And that's what I've been working on all year. It's beautiful. Thank you. Um, it seems like the experience for you of finding your way to a cruise ship in that career almost maybe served as another coming out again for you. When I arrived, I didn't know where to go. There wasn't like a clear like crew entrance. Like I, I didn't know how to identify that. So I was actually in line with the guests just waiting because <laughs> I thought that's where I had to go. And I'm talking to this guy and we're like, He's like, you know, we're just going back and forth. And he's, uh, I'm like, 
oh, so what do you do on the ship? And he's like, what? And I'm like, yeah, like, what do, you, what do you do? And he's like, I'm cruising. What are you, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm, it's my first day of work. He's like, I think you're in the wrong line, buddy. And then <laughs> ultimately, they, uh, I, after like an hour and a half, like I found the right place. And turns out they were looking for me because like the HR manager has a list of all the uh, incoming crew members. And they're like, well, he wasn't with the hotel, so where is he? <laughs> and right. they found me and got me situated. And then you're tossed into this crazy world immediately. Like, you are, it's, it, there's no, it, it, it's going in no lube in. Like, you're going in, going crazy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, it's like you, you're put into the immediate back of house world of a cruise ship, which is an insane super highway, trolleys passing, carts passing, people yelling. No one looks like each other because there's 65 different nationalities on board, different types of uniform. Everyone is just chaotic because it's it's what we call turnaround day, which is the day where we drop off new guests, uh, drop off old guests, pick up new guests. That all happens within a less than five hour period. So it's like wow. this frenetic energy. And I'm like, I'm brand new. <laughs> so it, it was uh, it, it, when it when it's a coming out experience. I don't know if this is a safe place for me to come out. I don't know what the culture is like. I don't know what this world is like. And uh, ultimately you find out no one cares what you are because there's so many of us that are from so many different walks of life on a ship that uh, it's that's not what's important. What's important is working hard and having a lot of fun and treating everybody with a lot of respect and um that kind of world was so fascinating for me because, you know, I'd sit down at a table and it's like people from all over, like legit, like somebody from Africa, somebody from China, somebody from uh, the UK, somebody from uh, Mexico and Chile, like all of us just sitting together and sharing in this experience and realizing we're not so different. And it's just, it was a great great time in my life i had the most fun that's so so nice what a story and what an image of that being your first day on the cruise ship like that and just watching all of this sort of energy and people and diversity just swirl around and wondering what is this going to be um so you mentioned earlier your relationship with theater you gave the examples of how trying to find your identity in theater presented some struggles at first. You talked about sexuality, you talked about ethnicity, talked about body. What was the journey like on the ship in that regard and, and your journeys with those, those parts of you? So I spent, I've always been a big guy, right? Um, and it's actually now in my thirties where I look back and I'm like, I really wasn't that big, but for some reason I was made to feel extremely big uh, at a yeah. very young age. Uh, mm. You know, I've got, we're, we're Latin, Latinos are very notorious uh, in terms of our our parents uh, of being very critical, <laughs> and sometimes it can lead to some scars. And so my particular scars were body image, in where at a very young age, I'll never forget like being seven years old or something and you know immediately the nickname for me was gordito which is like little fat one um which 
it, in Spanish is not meant to be most of the time it's not meant to be an insult it's just a way to describe and literally anybody can be gordo like anybody can be the fat one you don't have to be skinny I mean you don't have to be fat to be the fat one it's like right. just that's what right. you call people and so for me the problem became as I was growing and becoming a bigger kid that oh well you're fitting into jeans that you're not supposed to be fitting, quote unquote, I did air quotes, um, supposed to be fitting. Um, you're husky and that's not okay. You have to start losing weight as a growing 10, 11 year old. And so I distinctly remember like my mom in particular having that panic and uh, that kind of fat boy mentality i'm sure everyone's kind of heard that before where it's like you just always see yourself this way um and so it, it starts to create this an ability to the, the, not an ability this sense of having to kind of almost apologize for your size and to like make yourself try to seem smaller even though you're bigger um that all started and then when i started in theater you know, you start hearing about typecasting and, you know, you, you can't fit the role because that's how you look and that's not what we're looking for. Um, and unfortunately, in a college education, it becomes the most superficial way of teaching kids to be ashamed of themselves uh, in the name of the art, right? Mm. Uh, which to me is like... Nowadays, I'm very much against like a theatrical educate a formal theatrical education. I think there are better ways, especially if we're going to be spending most of our time fussing over image because quote unquote like a lover can't be a bigger person because that's not what the audience would be okay with. And I'm like, so fat people can't love? Is that what we're saying? Because that's what you're saying, mm. you know. Right. And so that all kind of buried in and then I go on a ship but you know I was already one of the bigger people there and I was kind of like all right well and all of a sudden I'm surrounded by people who aren't seeing me for my size or just seeing me for my personality and I felt really safe on a ship because there was so much joy around me if people just wanting to just have a good time. You know, like we work extremely hard. We're working seven days a week, uh, easily 10 to 12 hours a day, um, nonstop. And for us, it's, it's that we don't have time to focus on those hangups. And, you know, I remember going out to the crew bar and, you know, it'd be like the Latin night or some kind of pop night. And I would just be dancing and people would be shocked to see the way that I danced because it's like, oh, I would have never thought that you being a bigger guy could dance like that. And that's awesome. And like all of a sudden <laughs> I'm becoming like the life of the party and just letting it all out, being so free, possibly so drunk. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's just like it was like a, a liberation in the sense of like I'm not really being judged. I'm being applauded. And they want more. And that attention was so, it was a healthy attention because no one was like trying to like manipulate or, or to embarrass me or no, it was all in good fun. And, 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 and I think that's what kind of started to build my confidence up. And, 
uh, I quickly established myself as a big personality on the ship with a lot of energy and a lot of ability. Um, and that led to me being able to get promoted. That led to me becoming a manager. And um, it was a great experience in where I started to love me and started to love my body and whichever way. And, and ironically, it was on the ship that I had actually lost like a ton of weight. Like my first contract, I lost like 80 pounds like that. And it was a shocking like transformation for some because like like when did that happen and like I can't even tell you how or when it had happened because it wasn't like I was on a diet and like trying to do it it was just it just kind of happened <laughs> one day you look mm. around it's like oh wow these this uniform that was kind of tight on me is now baggy and that kind of established a newfound confidence um even more and then I became promoted and I started to gain all the weight back because my mentality kind of <laughs> had to shift. Um, <laughs> I didn't have, I had a lot of responsibility and, um, but that confidence stays, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I think also it was the escape from the hookup culture that I was really deeply in you know when i was back home on land like my phone was constantly on like you know dating apps like grinder and stuff like just you know almost obsessed because like there was a need to fill like that side of me because i didn't have any confidence i didn't have anything i needed somebody else to tell me i was beautiful right and mm. that wasn't happening because it's very toxic and so you get yourself stuck in this this loop and I think ships, like, it's available, but no one really uses it. So I kind of got my first experiences of, like, being approached by someone and oh. flirting with, like, flirting with someone in person. and <laughs> Old-fashioned flirting. The old, yeah, like, that kind of thing, which is, like, that experience happened. And that is such a change for me because it was like, oh, like, I can be attractive. Oh, I can be charming. Oh, I can you know, do the, the, I guess the, the traditional way of doing things. Um, and that, that definitely helped manifest this, this newfound confidence and, and comfort in who I am and, you know, what my body is. And, you know, it, it's one of those things like body is, it's, uh, it's a state of being. So it, I might look like this now, but that doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to look like this at any time but until you find that self-love doesn't matter what you look like there's always gonna there might always be that something that tells you something's off because that was another experience i had on ships seeing so many different types of bodies you know you had these beautiful dancers with the perfect ripped you know six-pack and uh you know you had super skinny people you had chubby people you had uh just your average joe and jane and and we had so many types that, and the one narrative I kept hearing was like somebody, there was always something off, even the most, you know, stunning human being with the, what would most people would call the perfect body would be self-conscious about themselves. And it's like, there it is. There yeah. is the, yeah. there is the journey is that it doesn't matter what you actually look like it's in your head and until your 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 mentality switches to i am beautiful i am 
attractive. I am worthy. It won't matter. You're always going to find, you're always going to hunt and look for, you know, something to change. Wow. Thank you. And what a beautiful story from a beautiful man. So thank you for sharing that today. Jonathan, what would be your message to someone listening who maybe wishes they could know this kind of confidence and this kind of positivity, but they just, they don't feel that yet. What is your message to them? Give yourself time. I think, I think finding confidence is something that happens when it happens and there's no right way of doing it. There's no, uh, if I could find a way to bottle what I have, <laughs> you know, I'd be a millionaire by now, but there's no way to bottle it because it has to come from within and you have to go through a journey and let yourself go through that journey. Um, you have to spend time telling yourself, I am beautiful. You have to spend time not seeking the validation of others to deem yourself attractive. Um, you're going to always hear people criticize. You're always going to hear people judge. That's a natural human thing to do, unfortunately. So to offset it, you have to start learning to shut out the voices and just go do, you know? And for me, it was going out and dancing. That was my thing. And that was my escape and I didn't care anymore because I was having fun and I was surrounded by a community of people who I felt safe in and loved in and so find your tribe find your I'm going to say wolf pack because that's what we called ourselves my group of friends on the ship we were the wolf pack uh find your wolf pack to just start exploring you and let your strength come from within let that moment happen where it's like you look at yourself in the mirror it's like i'm feeling myself and i don't need anyone to tell me that because i'm telling myself that mm. and ironically that's when you're gonna start finding everything <laughs> like you know i found my fiance on the ship ironically wow and uh yeah yeah we um uh we're international we're an international couple he's from he's from oh, a small wow. country such in intrigue Right. <laughs> yeah, he's uh, from a small country in Europe called Montenegro. It's near Serbia. And, yeah. uh, you know, we found each other. And, you know, one of my favorite stories of us meeting, it was he was basically hunting me, uh, as he says. <laughs> he saw me across like on his first day of the ship. He saw me pass him and he's like, that's the one. That's what I want. That's right. That's it. That's right there. That's 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 my that's my guy. That's what I want right now. Um, and he proceeded to, in a very cute way, stalk me without stalking me. Like he tried, he would go to the cafeteria and like look for me, try to see if I was there at different times of the day, try to see if I had a good routine so he could try to find the courage to come and speak to me. Um, or he'd go to the crew bar and he hates going to the crew bar, mind you. He's not like that kind of guy. Um but he would go because he knew I would go there and to try to see if I would catch eyes. Um, and I remember like the one time I remember seeing him before we actually met, I was sitting at a table having lunch and I look up and he's like three tables away from me and he's staring at me. And I'm like, 
okay, why is this guy staring at me? And I just like wave at him and he's like waves back. And then I go back down and I go back to eating and I look up and he's again doing the same thing. And I'm like, I don't know what this guy wants. And so I didn't say anything. I just walked away <laughs> because again, I, I'm just, I'm not gluing in on the thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then through a friend we got to meet and it was instant sparks, instant attraction, instant everything. But he keeps saying like, you walk with such confidence. It was almost intimidating to approach you because you have this energy around you that just says, I don't give a, I don't care what anyone says about me. This is me. Get out of my way. Self-confidence, but what a journey to get there. What a journey. So here on our hollowed fruit, we usually spend the time talking about what might be our hollowed fruit. What is our sacred gift and gifts to the world? And um, how are we fruitful in this world? How would you summarize that uh, for yourself right now of like, what are your gifts? What are your fruits to this world? I think I bring a gift of joy to the world. I'm an inherently like jolly person. Like I'm very, I love to laugh. I'm a joker. I love to make people laugh. I love that community of sense of just sharing a moment and sharing stories. And I think I bring smiles to people, especially kids. Um, I have a very sassy personality and I let that out all the time and the kids are instantly drawn to me and people are drawn. I find, I see people being drawn to me. Um, and I just love sharing in those moments. And I think, um, that light personality that I have kind of, I've been told like people like feel better after having a conversation with me or just sharing a moment with me. And, uh, it's one of those things that I, I found in myself that it's like, this is the best, this is one of my best parts is just my smile and my laugh and my ability to just share a moment without any sort of pretense or, or, or judgment. Just let's just laugh. Let's have a good time. (laughs) Let's just, let's just be. I, I would agree. A very joyful person, a very, I would add, welcoming. Um, you just want to be around you when you're when you're there. So thank you for those gifts for sure. What uh what keeps you grounded? What is um some sort of any kind of self-care practice, spiritual practice in your life that just keeps you centered and, and where you need to be? I'm still in my journey uh, of spirituality. Uh, Ironically, I have a a fiance who's starting to, he's very much into like uh, Tai Chi and meditation. And so he's starting to introduce me to that world a little bit. It's still not my routine, but it's, it's the introduction. I think my, what really grounds me as a person is music. Um, I've always been, well, I found my voice in high school. Like I didn't know I could sing until I was in high school. Ironically at a church retreat when someone told me you got a voice there. Um, (laughs) And then they told, said I was tone deaf, so I couldn't join the choir immediately. So I had to work on that. (laughs) Um, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I remember going to an audition and I was trying to match pitch and I just couldn't do it. Like I couldn't, 
couldn't mad I, I didn't understand what she was asking me and then i just knew that i could mimic the sounds that i would hear like at a radio or something like that I, I don't know it was a weird thing i think it's also because the choir director is female and she was expecting me to like understand how to like drop an octave in her pitch i i don't know it was a very strange situation but ultimately i i was deemed tone deaf and then i started taking a piano class i'm like oh i get it now <laughs> and then i fixed myself and i guess or unlocked that part of my voice and so i started singing in, in high school and then that's how i got started in theater and uh led to that journey and i find just turning on the radio sometimes or turning on music that really resonates with me or just something that helps me belt out um it, it can it's really soothing for me um and music has such a tremendous power in that it helps you connect with a part of you that you don't even realize is there. Um, I've had probably my most spiritual moments in my life have all been connected to music, whether it's me singing at a campfire in the middle of Indiana, in the middle of this camp, summer camp that I was working at, looking at the stars and just sharing in that moment, like my voice just like, oh, this is it. This is what life should be about uh, to me you know, just singing at a church, you know, on Christmas night, like, you know, singing a good old, old holy night situation. And it's like, <laughs> um, it, it, it's like, that's, you have a moment of stillness. You have a moment where the only thing you have to worry about is what is coming from within. It's your instrument. So just go. And, uh, I think music and song are so powerful and, um, I, one thing that's always resonated with me from my old choir director was that when you sing, you pray twice. So anything that you're singing is can be a prayer, and it has double intensity because you're using a part of yourself that's very vulnerable and very open that it's allowing more of your natural spirit to just come out. And that's, that's what really grounds me ultimately is, is music and song. So nice. I I hear in your sharing this sense of just this inner peace, inner light, this inner place that music helps you access and then connect to something that is just beyond our normal day to day. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. <laughs> that's uh, exactly how it feels, you know. Almost in a just place of bliss, if you will. Yes. Well, it's, it, there's there's also a lot of power in music. Like when you're mm. singing a big old song, and all of a sudden you're coming to that like that part, quote unquote, like that major moment, and it's like you got this, and you're buckling yourself down, and you just let <laughs> it out, and it's it's awesome. Equally so, like I'll never forget when my senior recital in high in college, uh, you know, I had a I got to perform like a concert myself with like five or six different songs. And my last song was out there from the Hunchback of Notre Dame. And uh, the song very much resonates with me, very much like wanting to be out in the world, out as a person, uh, out as a gay man. Um, I think that it's, that song has such marvel. And I remember in my recital, like, I'm coming, it's the last song of my show. I'm at the end. It's been great. I'm holding on. I'm seeing, like, my professors, my the people that I had, you know, called home for four years and this wave of emotion hits me 
and I start crying while I'm singing and I can't get through the notes. Like, I'm just like, oh my God. And I had to like grab onto a chair and squeeze it with like this vice grip just to finally let it out. And I remember like <laughs> somebody telling me like, I was in tears when I saw you doing that. Cause I know how hard you were working and like, you were so determined to just finish the song right and finish the song well. But that raw emotion was just letting itself out. And I, it, it's, that's what that's what music does to me it's like if if it really resonates with me it's gonna just do crazy things and i love it so since music is so important to you i thought i would ask you just a few fun music questions Ooh, okay (laughs) so you are if you're alone in the shower what are you singing oh um it's could be music of the night from Phantom of the Opera because that's my favorite show. It could be anything from the Disney catalog. So you might hear me singing out there from Notre Dame, Hunchback of Notre Dame. You might hear me singing Go the Distance from Hercules or something from The Lion King. You're in a chorus. You get a stack of music for the next show. You're about to start rehearsing. What do you hope is in that pack of music? What is the one song that you just hope is in that stack? Oof. Um, I'm a tenor, so I, it, it, for me, I don't really care what I'm singing as long as there's something that shows off my, something that I get to be big and loud in, or I get to like hit a high <laughs> note that's like, it's like that. It's oh, it's that high note. It's like that, like really good, like just in the stratosphere situation. So you're not looking so much at what song it is. You're paging through them to see, is this a song that cares about tenors? Right, exactly. That's what I want. I want to show off as a tenor. Like, uh, it, it was a crazy moment when I first discovered I was a tenor, I, you know, that term. Because, you know, you as someone who wasn't, like, in the world yet, like, just getting into it, um, an initiate, if you will, you... Um, you hear the word tenor, you think of like the three tenors, the great tenor, this, this, and so you think like somebody like there's tremendous power and everything. And I remember like walking into my first high school chorus, like rehearsal. And she's like, yep, you're in the tenor section. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And there's only like three of us. And we locked that down. I remember I was like, it was like four of us. And we locked that part down when there was like 20 altos, 25 sopranos 15 bases behind us but we were the loudest kids in there and it's always been like as long as the tenors are taken care of i don't care what i'm singing i just want to sing my high notes and have my moment what song or songs or kind of music has helped you through what has been our experience here in 2020 the rupaul catalog has really helped me (laughs) i think rupaul's music we know it's hyper produced. We know it's like it's it's a lot of auto tune, but there's just so much fun <laughs> and there's so much joy and it just unlocks this part of me that's like I just want to go back to dancing. I just want to go back to just being free and living well. Um and and that his his music really does that for me. And so I found myself throughout the year really f- doing a lot of that. Um I also spent 2020 listening to uh, 
some of Cardi B's stuff <laughs> and, yeah. and just like that being a bad bitch and being a bad, you know, just like, yeah, yeah, that, that's resonates with me. Like, I'm just like, I'm going to be that. And I'm going to like walk with this. And I don't kind of, it's like this, I don't care attitude. Like I think we had to kind of adopt because the world was, is falling apart in front of us since March. We've been like in this crazy vortex. So I find myself looking at like escapism in music and just, I don't want to hear about problems. I don't want to hear Billie Eilish crying. I don't want to hear, like, I don't want to hear sob stories. I want to hear triumph. I want to hear self-confidence. I want to hear light. And so I found myself this year just gravitating towards any sort of music that's just a bop and that's not necessarily needing to explore the emotional range. That or anything by Whitney Houston because she's my goddess. (laughs) (laughs) I I hear again this connection that you spoke about earlier of music transporting, music getting us to this other place, a more blissful place, or just quite frankly somewhere else than we are right now and connecting to something else. And I think even more so important this year, what you're describing is music being that vehicle for you that vessel to connect to something else and to imagine something else and to help bring that reality one day again yeah and i think it's 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 the the next step of my journey is you know as i'm still you know i'm looking to get reunited with my fiance because he's in another country right now so i'm thinking of wedding songs as we start talking about a wedding i'm thinking of uh, songs to explore my own personal identity, um, whether it, in terms of entertainment and 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 the production, that because that's always what I've been like. What do I, what am I gonna do next in terms of being an artist? Because I haven't really awakened that part of me, and there's a part of me that really wants to be in that again. Um, and so it's like, what would I want to focus on? What how do I manifest that? So it's kind of right now an exploration of. Uh, what love is and what what is next so there's a lot of hope there's a lot of light and just you know we gotta let go sometimes and it's okay to cry with music too I have my days that I'm just like I just need to be depressed for a moment what am I listening to in the heights song about the grandma done uh you know uh certain songs unlock the emotional raw part of it. And, you know, it's okay to fall into that as well. So as we finish up here, any gratitude that you would like to share? I'm really grateful. First off to my fiance, Ilya. He's been, he has had to take a lot from, I'm, I'm a lot I'm a, as a person. I'm a lot. <laughs> I have a lot of personality. Um, <laughs> And yes, I can be very joyful and happy. And there are days that I will have a breakdown and go crazy and be angry. And he just takes everything with such stride and with such understanding and patience. Um, He really is my rock. So I'm really grateful to him for um, just sticking, you know, sticking with me and, uh, allowing this journey to continue even though right now it's a waiting game like we're we're sticking it together and it's it's he keeps reminding me one year in comparison to a lifetime is nothing so let's not fuss about having to wait just a few months so beautiful 
So beautiful. Thank you, Jonathan, so much. Uh, this has been such a gift today and such a rich sharing of life and hearing more about your life. Um, it is a privilege to know you and a privilege to have you here today. So thank you. Thank you for having me. This is this has been a lot of fun. Something I've always wanted to do, so I'm very excited. We'll we'll do it again as well. And thank you to everyone listening out there to another episode of Our Hollowed Fruit. I'm Brian Anthos. Again, you can find me at brianthos.com, B-R-Y-A-N-A-N-T-H-O-S.com. And Jonathan, if someone was particularly touched by your story today or wants to reach out maybe with some questions, where can they find you? Find me on Instagram. It's J-S-A-N-Z-914. So on Instagram, again, that's J-S-A-N-Z-914. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jonathan. Thank you so much to everyone who has journeyed with us today. And until next time. Bye.